are you guys? We're you, dude. No way. No way. Yes way, Ted. Look, we know how you feel. We didn't believe it either when we were you, and we us said what we us are saying right now. Okay, wait. If you guys are really us, what number are we thinking of? Sixty-nine, dudes. Excellent. Gotta have a poker face like me. Whoa, three aces! You killed Ted, you medieval dickweed! How's it going, royal ugly dudes? I'm the Earl of Preston, and I, the Duke of Ted. Put them in the Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden? Excellent! Execute them. Bogus. We're Joanna and Elizabeth. <laughs> They're not here. Yeah, we lie. But here's the truth. We're totally gonna kill you now. <laughs> no way! Yes way, Ted. We're fully programmed to do it. Yeah, we want to do it too. <laughs> well, what happened, Ted? We're dead, dude. No way. This way. Excuse us, dude. But is there any way back? You may challenge me to the contest. If you lose, you'll remain here in the afterlife forever. What if we win? <laughs> no one has ever won. You have sunk my better ship. Excellent! Yeah! I totally knew you put it in the J's, dude. Good thinking, Ted. You must play me again. What? Um, best two out of three. No way! Plus, you got an excellently huge Martian butt. <laughs> Please feel free to split into two parts again and relax. Don't overlook my butt. I work out all the time, and reaping burns a lot of calories. Welcome to Sweet Play Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike Macmasunas. How's everybody doing today? I am doing great, guys. Welcome to the episode of Villain Ted's Excellent Adventure and Bogus Journey. That's right. I have combined both episodes into one simply because a few different reasons. Number one, it's sure a lot easier to record when you're just compiling two movies together. Number two, editing-wise, it's a lot easier. Number three, I don't have to do movie music news and music uh you know emails and all that stuff twice i can do it all at once so it's just an overall easy or way of doing it plus the title sounds cool bill and ted's excellent adventure and bogus journey it's cool i like it and most of all in the stl nation i asked you guys if you're cool with having both movies in one episode and everybody approved that at least saw the post so there you go so i am excited guys to be here talking these two flicks today and it's going to be some good time so this is going to be a loaded up episode i got some news to talk about uh movies and music and uh also have some new emails today which is going to be some fun times to read and then new itunes review so it's just going to be a loaded up fun episode and i can't wait to get to it so before we roll into the review of the first movie bill and ted's excellent adventure why don't we roll into some movie and music news? I 
All right. So first up in movie news that we need to talk about is, of course, the Comic-Con huge announcement, which this is the only Comic-Con thing I'm going to talk about, just so you know. There's plenty of Comic-Con information out there, but this is the big one, which, of course, the Man of Steel sequel got announced, which we already knew was happening. I mean, I read that like a few days after Man of Steel was released that they were going to go ahead and make a sequel, so that wasn't a surprise and then the you know news broke out as Zack Snyder was talking to everybody and then of course they had the big old Batman logo go behind the Superman logo and then everybody went crazy and you know everybody wants to know what my thoughts is so here's a couple different things that I want to talk about uh, number one you know one thing that I've always loved is the uh, Batman and Superman logo together uh, there's actually a ring that I'm currently buying on eBay well I'm watching it I'm hopefully going to win it which is a ring that has the traditional Superman logo and the traditional Batman logo put together kind of like in the comic books it looks really cool and the symbol is all around the ring I really dig it now of course the Man of Steel logo is different but I really like it it's pretty cool now, a lot of people have asked me, well, what's your favorite Batman logo? And actually, my favorite Batman logo is the one from the Dark Knight trilogy. That one is my favorite. My second one would be the Batman Arkham Asylum Arkham City logo. That would be my second favorite Batman logo there is. And then the third one would be the 1989 Batman, you know, Tim Burton logo. That's my third favorite. Now, the logo that came on the Superman logo was uh, this real big, you know, essentially looked like the Dark Knight Returns old school logo, but it still looked different. It didn't look cool, and I didn't like it. So, of course, you know, a few days later, people started making their own Batman logos up with the new Man of Steel logo, and it looked cool. I dug it. So, you know, outside of the logo, I, I wasn't feeling the logo. I thought it was kind of ugly. As you guys know, I posted on the, uh, you know, Facebook page. But, of course, it's not finalized. You know, it's just a teaser thing. So it's really no big deal. I was just saying I don't like the Batman logo. It looks pretty ugly. Uh, but in regards to the actual news, um, here's kind of my feelings on it. Uh, I think it's essentially smart because they want to speed things up you know i thought there was going to be a man of steel 2 and then there would be a batman reboot and then they would roll into justice league but i see that they want to speed things up they want to have i'm hoping a well-established batman because we don't need another origin story i'm hoping it's a well-established batman who's just a guest star in man of steel and, I mean, you got to keep in mind, this is Man of Steel 2. This isn't Batman and Man of Steel is guest starring. This is supposed to be a Man of Steel 2 sequel. So, a lot of people are just going, you know, crazy over the fact that, you know, Batman's going to be in here. Which is, you know, it's fine because we've never had a Batman Superman movie ever on screen. So, I think it's cool. But, I honestly would have liked it if they gave Man of Steel another movie you know, there's a lot of uh, people that do like Man of Steel. However, there's a lot of people that have issues with it. And I think uh, a movie, part two, would have solved a lot of those issues or would have went down the road that was created in the first one that a lot of people need answers to or resolutions to. And now that you have Batman in there, it's hard to see that maybe how that's going to work out. 
Um, you know, and of course, I'm super excited that this is a new Batman. It's not associated with the Dark Knight trilogy, which is excellent. I never did think that it was going to happen, but there was a lot of people that did. And it's just like people, you know, if they were to continue from the Dark Knight trilogy, it would definitely make that uh, trilogy less impactful. You know, it's like trying to do a new Back to the Future story, you know, trying to do essentially like a Back to the Future 4. It just kind of tampers on the on the trilogy. I mean, look at all those people that hate the fourth Indiana Jones movie. They say it kind of taints the three Indiana Jones movies. So that's kind of how I feel if they were to put in Christian Bale in this movie. It would totally go, you know, it would totally damper the trilogy for me. Now, you know, the Dark Knight trilogy, I love that trilogy. It's amazing. I watch it all the time. And, you know, one of our newest STL members, uh, Andrew, uh, he has, he gave a list on the STL Nation group. And, you know, it was like his top 20 favorite movies. And one of the movies he put was The Dark Knight Rises. And then next to it, he says, The Dark Knight is far superior, but I enjoy, he put enjoy, in big letters and enjoy this more and i was like man that is a perfect description because that's pretty much how i feel i feel like you know batman begins dark knight is way superior to the dark knight rises but i enjoy the dark knight rises the most out of the whole entire trilogy even though i know it's not the best and i know the other two are superior i just enjoy that one so i I thought that was an excellent um you know an excellent description so and the thing is with the trilogy you know i I watch Batman Begins, I'm like, oh, this is my favorite. I watch Dark Knight, I'm like, oh, this is my favorite. Watch Dark Knight Rises, oh, this is my favorite. So that's that's the great thing about a trilogy is that uh, if it's good, you watch one of the movies and you're just like, wow, this one's my favorite. You know, with Back to the Future, I watch Back. I always say Back to the Future 2 is my favorite, but then I watch Part 1, I'm like, oh, that one's my favorite. Now, 3, I could definitely say is my least favorite, but I don't hate it. You know, I definitely need it to complete the story. So it's definitely cool. And I'm very excited that they are not going to be touching that thing, that it's in its own world. Nobody's going to touch it. And we're doing a rebooted Batman. So that is cool. So even though I'm disappointed we don't get a Man of Steel sequel that's just plain Man of Steel, we have to have Batman in it. Okay, there's nothing I can do about it to change that fact. I just have to accept what they're going to give me. Uh, What I'm hoping is going to be in the flick is we get a well-established Batman. The last thing we need is an origin story. That would just be ridiculous. So hopefully we get a well-established Batman. I'm assuming it's going to be, uh, you know, he's not going to be in a whole lot unless they're going to do World's Finest. And I mean, think about it. Why can't they just do World's Finest and then do Man of Steel 2 after World's Finest? You know, I mean, look, you did Captain America, Iron Man. I mean, granted, Iron Man had a second sequel, Thor. And then they did Avengers. And now they're coming out with Captain America 2, you know, Thor 2. So why can't they just do that? You know, why can't they just do World's Finest and then Man of Steel gets his sequel? You know, that would be so much better. But it is what it is. We'll see how it goes. Now, in regards to the rumor mill... Uh, There's two people so far that I've heard that are, um, you know, rumored to be up for the role. You know, I guess they're casting call. And um, if you guys watch Team Wolf, which hopefully you do, there's a guy in there named Derek. Uh, His name, his first name's Tyler. Uh, He is uh, the first person I heard, and he actually announced on his Facebook page that he was going to go up for the role. And that would be awesome. I mean, the guy is huge. I mean, he's definitely built. He's got a lot of charisma. He's cool. I think he would definitely be a fun Batman. And then I guess I heard Ryan Goslin, 
uh, is going for it. So there's going to be a lot of rumors. There's going to be a lot of people going for this role. I think it's going to take a while before we hear anything. But if it was Derek, that would be cool. And the other person I heard was Jensen Ackles from Supernatural. I'm like, man, that would be crazy. He said that would be a dream come true if he could be that. But, you know, unfortunately... Uh, that would definitely, you know, I mean, if Tyler was to get it, it would hurt Team Wolf. And if Jensen was to get it, it would hurt Supernatural. But it's hard to say. Maybe not, you know. Again, actors do TV shows and then do movies. So maybe it wouldn't be a big deal. I guess it just all depends when they're going to film it, so on and so forth. So that's the big news from Comic-Con. I don't want to talk about anything else from Comic-Con. There's so much of that news out there that you could totally go out there and just you know spend hours, maybe even days, trying to find that information. That's the big one. That's the one I wanted to talk about. That's the one a few of you guys have been asking me. How do I feel about it? And, and overall, uh, I'm excited that it's going to be happening. I wish there would be a Man of Steel 2 with no Batman in it, but if we do, but with this Batman, I just hope he's well established. And three, I'm super excited that they're not messing with the Dark Knight trilogy, which I knew wouldn't happen, but now I have 100% confirmation, so now I have complete peace with that, which is awesome. So let's move on to some other uh, movie news. All right, now in regards to uh, the upcoming Star Wars movie, it's pretty obvious that John Williams is going to be doing the score for Star Wars, but it's officially confirmed now that he's going to be doing the music for Episode uh, 7. So just in case you didn't know or you thought, I mean, I didn't even, you know, hear the fact that he wasn't going to be doing it. But I just heard official confirmation today that he is, in fact, going to be doing the music for seven. So just in case you had any worries, it is officially confirmed. Now, uh, as you know, there's been the rumor mill with Vin Diesel uh, meeting with marvel and character wise who's he gonna be and there's just this overall like mysteriousness that's been going on so universal pictures uh, they came out and said that vin diesel is going to be doing world's most wanted and what that is is that uh it's no plot details but uh neil moritz who is producing alongside vin diesel on this flick uh him and uh you know, him and Diesel actually um, did Fast and Furious and Triple X franchises. They kind of work hand in hand together. But essentially, that's the movie for Marvel, World's Most Wanted. But as far as plot details and stuff, they're not revealing that at this time. So, But Riddick, though, if you are pumped up for that, it is going to be hidden in theaters on September 6th. And uh, the Red Band trailer came out, and man... That looks pretty, pretty cool. So, And the last bit of movie news that I want to talk about, which I posted on the uh, Facebook page and in the group, is looks like the Rocky retrospective is not complete. Now, uh, this is somewhat good news because, as you know, when Jameson and I were finishing up the Rocky series during Rocky Balboa, I had said, you know, he's talking about doing another Rocky movie and we were thinking he was talking about Rocky Balboa, that it was just a mixed-up article. But in fact, it looks like he was in talks or trying to do a new Rocky movie. But there's a little twist to it. So evidently, uh, there is going to be a spin-off movie for Apollo Creed. Apollo Creed's grandson is going to be kind of getting his own movie. They're going to title it Creed. And uh, Sylvester Stallone, he's still going to reprise his role as Rocky Balboa, but he's not going to be in it as much. 
he basically, uh, I mean, there's going to be the grandchild of Apollo Creed. Um, he he gets Rocky's old sparring partner to kind of help train him, if you will. So uh, Rocky essentially becomes a Mickey role, but let's hope it's not the Mickey role of number five. Now, in regards to who's going to be playing, you know, the grandson, it's supposed to be Michael B. Jordan. He's part of, uh, he's from this uh, project called Fruitvale uh, Station. And Sylvester Stallone will still uh, produce the film. He's not going to direct the film. So there's not a whole lot of information out there, so I'll keep you guys posted. But uh, I kind of, you know, if they're going to do another Rocky film, which I wish they wouldn't, I wish they would just let it be because Rocky Balboa was a perfect ending. But if they're going to do it, I'm glad they're going this way and making it a spinoff where Rocky's not going to be going in the ring and hitting people. So I, I can kind of deal with this, but it just depends. Hopefully it doesn't become a train wreck. So that is it, guys, for movie news. Let's roll into some music news. Now, I picked up two albums this past week, and I'll give you guys a little bit of a review on them. So two of the albums I picked up, were two albums that I've been interested in getting for a while now just because uh, I've kind of followed these two for a while. Each one kind of has their own little path. Uh, The first one we'll talk about is uh, Selena Gomez. Now, Selena Gomez, as you know, uh, used to be on the Disney Channel, and then uh, she's kind of famous right now in regards to being with Justin Bieber, being on, being off, so on and so forth. She was in this movie called Spring Breakers, which is a movie that stars Vanessa Hudgens, uh, also stars Ashley Benson from Pretty Little Liars. Uh, she would be Hannah. And then we have uh, um, James Franco is in that film. Now, uh, the thing with Spring Breakers is it's essentially uh, just a big, crazy, independent uh, I mean, sex movie, or, or if you will. I mean, it's basically the Disney girls trying to tell everybody, hey, we're grown up now, screw you kind of attitude. So I haven't gotten through all the movie yet, but I mean, it's it's pretty crazy movie. Now, uh, her CD is, as you know, Come and Get It, uh, is her big massive radio hit this summer. And I wanted, my wife really wanted the CD, so I said, yeah, sure, you know, I'll pick it up for you. Now, this CD is definitely full-on blown techno, uh, not techno, but it's really dance, uh, kind of maybe electronic dance, if you will. Uh, it really sounds like Come and Get It. Some songs are really fast and... Uh, some are really fast. Uh, overall, though, there's definitely a difference between this CD and the next one I want to talk about, which is Demi Lovato's CD, which is called Demi. Now, Demi Lovato as well is from Disney Channel. However, uh, she is more of a respected artist. Uh, she actually had, uh, she actually came out to her fans to let her fans know that. You know, she used to have problems with suicide and stuff, and it, she really broke down and, and really uh, kind of poured her heart out to her fans and stuff. So a lot of people really loved and respected her for that. And so she came out with this album. As you know, you've probably heard this song, Heart Attack. It's been on the radio like crazy. It's probably the most overplayed tune in 2013. I mean, it's all over the place. So I was hoping getting this CD that... Heart Attack would not be the best tune on the album. And comparing the two, Demi Lovato's CD is way better. Number one, lyrical content. I mean, Selena Gomez is all about kind of partying and uh, just having a good time. And, you know, there's some sex tunes in there. I mean, definitely there's some good tunes in there, some good beats and all that stuff. But Demi Lovato's is more, definitely more mature. 
she has like two piano ballads alone uh, just, that just uh, show her vocal range, and you can just hear the emotion behind her heart, uh, her voice, and she even says one of these tunes I'll never play live because it's just too emotional for me. And thank God. <laughs> There are better songs on this CD than Heart Attack. So uh, one of those tunes I absolutely love. And uh, we'll talk about it a little bit later. But I just want to say that uh, these two CDs are really good, especially if you like uh, pop stuff, if you like dance stuff. Uh, definitely check this out. I would highly recommend the Demi Lovato CD over the Selena Gomez one. Now, if you're just talking singles, which ones you should pick up from Selena Gomez, definitely get uh, a course uh, the big one, which is uh, Come and Get It. Another one you'll like is uh, Save the Day. That's a really good one. It stars Dance. Uh, Birthday is her newest single. That one is basically just getting drunk and telling everybody that, hey, it's my birthday every day because I'm so crazy. You get Demi Lovato, a Heart Attack, of course. You're probably just completely tired of that. Her new single is Made in the USA. That's a good one. Neon Lights is another good one. Uh, just pretty much every single song on that album is very excellent. So I highly recommend you check out those two albums. Now, in regards to other music news. Now, as far as the iTunes charts go, nothing has really changed there. Wherever I talked about last episode, uh, where each song is, is pretty much where they remain. We Can't Stop, Miley Cyrus still number two. Uh, we do have One Direction, though, creeped in at number three with Best Song Ever. Jay-Z's now in there, Holy Grail featuring Justin Timberlake, that moved up to number 4. But for the most part, everything is pretty much the same, Uh, so I can't really comment too much on some new tunes that you should buy uh, outside of, uh, go check out the Underground Hour. In the Underground Hour, I've got some new music that I have recently found that I wanted to share with you guys, and I hope you dig it, and I also have a new segment in there, which I think you're really going to like, and it's really regarding new music Uh, That hits iTunes and all this and that. So make sure you check out the new Underground Hour so you can hear all the new tunes that you need to check out. And the new segment, it's going to be fun. But in regards to actual uh, music news itself, uh, there was this interview with Selena Gomez uh, that was actually being taped live. And the guy started talking about Justin Bieber. And she got really uncomfortable. And she kind of looked to the side and she's smiling all of a sudden the feed died and they're blaming it on uh because you're on a world tour that uh, i kind the feed just kind of crashed but it just was too convenient that the person that she didn't want to talk about was the person that the guy brought up because you can tell she was not prepared for that question and then uh, i just love how the feed just instantly died and was over so now of course dmx has been arrested again in south carolina for driving under the influence uh, DMX man, this guy is all about you know, I don't know, being bad. I guess it's like, dude, seriously, stop drinking and driving, man. You're gonna kill somebody. So yeah, other than that, guys, that is it for music news. Nothing else too exciting, or if there is anything exciting, it's nothing worth talking about because it's just people being stupid. Uh, so outside of music news, I definitely recommend you go check out that Demi Lovato CD on iTunes. Go play some clips, see which tune you like because. She does different kind of genres on that album, which I really love artists that do that, where you don't have just one particular style of music throughout the whole entire album. So that is it for movie and music news. So let's roll into our first movie of the episode, which is Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Bill, Ted, this is really quite simple. 
Unless you get an A-plus on your final oral report tomorrow, I have no choice but to flunk the both of you. Two epic airheads. Who is Joan of Arc? Noah's wife. We are in danger of flunking most heinously tomorrow, Ted. One time traveling telephone booth. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. I'm here to help you with your history report. What? That book will give you the number of any place you want to go. Let's reach out and touch someone. Who knew history? Two beers, please. Could be such an excellent adventure. Who's here? Billy the Kid. Don't worry, I'll bring you back here as soon as you talk and I report. Socrates. Philosophize with him. All we are is dust in the wind, dude. <laughs> we are in most excellent shape for our report. Excuse me, you know where there are any personages of historical significance around here? How's it going, royal ugly dudes? Put them in the iron meat. Excellent! Execute them. Bogus. Keanu Reeves. Those are historical babes. Alex Winter. It's a history report, not a babe report. Napoleon. Ziggy Biggy. Genghis Khan. <laughs> Sigmund Freud. How's it going, fruit dude? Socrates. And Abraham Lincoln. Audio, dude! You guys are really us. What number are we thinking of? 69, dudes! Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. All right, guys. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. So this has been a movie that has been long requested to be done on STL. So it's pretty cool that everything worked out in regards to kind of doing some one-off movies. As you know, uh, the whole reason why I did this was, you know, we did the first movie in the new series, Chick Flicks for Guys, which was EZA. And then uh, Jameson went on vacation and had some other things he had to do. So we weren't able to record. So I just said, ah, you know, I'll just do a few one-off movies. So then I asked you guys in the group, which the STL Nation is the name of the Facebook group. So if you want to be a part of that, uh, it, that's the best place to go if you really want to have your voice, quote unquote, heard through the show because granted I do the voting on the main Facebook page of movies that you guys want to do. I know I haven't done that for a while because I told you guys that when I was doing the uh, Rocky series that I was going to cut off the voting process until after the 100th episode. And then uh, after the Chick Flicks for Guys series was done, then I would put the voting back up to how we used to do it you know put up the two movies or three movies however we used to do it and then you guys vote but in the stl nation i always ask you guys for various things you know upcoming movies so on and so forth so if you listen to this show and you're not part of the stl nation and you really want to have your input you need to go over the facebook type in the stl nation and then there'll be a group it'll be it'll stay closed i have that for specific reasons just request to be a part of it and then I will add you because we have two new members it's been pretty awesome and then you can kind of give your voice and that's how we ended up doing these movies was the Lost Boys and Bill and Ted because I pretty much asked you guys you know what would be some pretty good one-off movies and these were the best suggestions that I got so it is a good time so I highly recommend you check that out and thank you to all the new members Peter and Andrew it's been fun having you guys added on good times you guys are bringing some excellent topics and it's just been overall fun so in regards to uh bill and ted's excellent adventure 
You know, it's been a long, long time since I've seen this movie, even longer since I've seen Bogus Journey. Now, I'm going to tell you this. Going into Excellent Adventure, I already know that Bogus Journey is my favorite of the two. So I kind of watch Excellent Adventures and, okay, I'm going to watch this movie, but I can't wait to get to Bogus Journey. Now, the cool thing is when I was watching this, I had uh, my oldest daughter watch it with me. It's the first time she ever seen it. She really didn't understand the stupid or why they were acting stupid, you know, if you will. So after I explained it, everything was good. Now, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is a, a time travel movie, but this is one of those movies that throws all time travel logic out the window. This is just supposed to be like Dumb and Dumber. It's just supposed to be a, a dumb, fun movie. You're not supposed to take it seriously. You're not supposed to be like, well, that's, you know, you're totally screwing up time travel. You need to get over that, okay? If you go into this movie being all back to the future in this flick, you're going to hate it. You just, you can't do that. You just have to watch the movie uh, for what it is. And that is basically... This is the first Dumb and Dumber before Dumb and Dumber was Dumb and Dumber, if you will. They're smarter than Dumb and Dumber, but this is the mindset you have to go into when you watch Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And the same thing with Bogus Journey, because they're just completely ridiculous films. And that's kind of why they, why people love these movies, because they're just so much fun. They know what they are, just like the Fast and Furious franchise. They know that they're ridiculous. They know that they're dumb fun. And that's why people love it, because they don't take themselves seriously. And people go there to have a good time and forget their problems for an hour and a half. And that's exactly the kind of movie that this is. So this is 1989 uh, movie that came out. It's two slackers traveling through time. And uh, when it starts off, you know, you're in 2000. Uh, 2,688, if I remember right. And uh, humanity exists in this uh, utopian society due to the inspiration of these two musicians. They're called the Great Ones. So we have uh, Bill S. Preston Esquire, which is played by Alex Winter, which was just in the last episode of The Lost Boys. Uh, then we have Ted Theodore Logan, played by Keanu Reeves, who kind of became very typecast, if you will, after this movie. We have Rufus, which is George Carlin, a much skinnier, I wouldn't say skinnier, but definitely a much younger looking George Carlin. And uh, he, Rufus, he's tasked by the leaders of this utopia to travel back to 1988 to San Dimas, California, using this time machine that's made out of a phone booth to ensure that Bill and Ted, uh, who are high school students, they're flunking this history class. I mean, they got all Fs. And if uh, if they don't get an A+, they flunk out of school. Now, if they fail, Ted's father, which is uh, Police Captain Logan, uh, he plans to ship Ted over to this military academy over in Alaska. And, uh, of course, it will end Bill and Ted's band, the Wild Stallions, which, of course, will then alter the future and you won't have this utopia. So that's essentially, bottom line, what the story is. So there you go. So Rufus comes down and, you know, of course, Bill and Ted, they're hanging out at this local Circle K convenience store struggling to finish their history paper. And uh, but Rufus comes down. And, you know, he at first it's difficult convincing both of them, you know, that it's a time machine and so on and so forth until they see the versions of themselves that are actually hours into the future. But, of course, you don't know that at the time. And, you know, that Bill and Ted is trying to convince them that, hey, Rufus can be trusted 
And they're like, what number are we thinking of? 69, dude. You know, And, of course, it becomes all funny. So uh, the future of T- uh, Bill and Ted uh, discuss their situation with Rufus. And basically they get the idea to go back in the past and grab some uh, historical figures and bring them back and show San Dimas what their thoughts are of the present is essentially what their thinking is. So Rufus offers the pair a demonstration of the time machine. So he takes them back to 1805 where they find uh, Napoleon and uh, he's leading his force against Australia. And this guy is absolutely great. Uh, Rufus, Bill and uh, Ted, they, detar- they go back to the present and Napoleon He's thrown by a cannonball explosion into the time travel circuit. So he ends up following them. So Rufus takes a moment to explain that time will continue to progress normally for Bill and Ted and they can't miss their class presentation. So, you know, of course, the logic of time has changed. So this isn't like Back to the Future where you can just go anywhere you want in time. Essentially, the time that you came from continues and you can go back or you can go forward, but your current time continues, if you will. So they, they don't try to make this technical. They try to make it as easy as possible. Basically, you can do whatever you want. Just pay attention to your watch and make sure you make your presentation on time, which the presentation is at 2.45 uh, that day. So now when they get back to the present and they see that Napoleon is uh, stuck in a nearby tree. That's essentially what gives them the idea to kidnap the historical figures, bring them back to the present, so that way they complete their report. Because as their teacher said, if you don't get an A-plus on your report, you're failing. So that's why they get this crazy idea to go back and steal all these historical figures. So they leave Napoleon with uh, Ted's younger brother, Deacon. Now, before they get ready to leave, uh, we have Ted's dad show up, basically ground Ted and orders him to pack his luggage, ready for Oates Military Academy. And uh, he's looking for his lost set of keys. So Bill uses the phone booth uh, to get Captain Logan to, you know, come down to the station and they found his keys. That way, you know, that gets Ted, uh, you know, Bill and Ted are able to, you know, go back into the time machine, travel, get some more historical people for their report. So Deacon and his friends, they show Napoleon around uh, the, 20th, the 20th century by taking him to this ice cream parlor, uh, bowling alley. Uh, but, of course, he gets kicked out. They ditch him because they just think he's a total jerk, which he is, but he's absolutely funny. And then uh, we have Bill and Ted. They go and they pick up Billy the Kid. Then they get uh, Socrates. And then they will uh, pick up uh, Joan of Arc, uh, Genghis Khan, uh, Beethoven, Sigmund Freud, Abraham Lincoln. I mean, they pick up all these guys. Of course, chaos ensues during all these different places they're trying to pick up. So uh, they actually go back to prehistoric times uh, accidentally because the booth cannot fit uh, any more historical figures. I mean, they are completely loaded. So Bill and Ted, they do these repairs to the machine uh, by using gum and they return back to the present. Now they end up outside of the place where they were before, which is where they see Rufus introducing himself to them. And they're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Because my daughter was just like, I don't get what's going on here. I'm like, it'll make sense later on in the film. So when that happened, I was like, does that make sense now? And she's like, yeah. So Bill and Ted, they convinced their earlier selves that Rufus is trustworthy. And uh, they also 
you know, there was a unheard conversation before, but they didn't know what was going on. Well, now you know it's because Rufus is instructing them how to get to the correct day and about the watch and everything like that. So they only had just a little bit of time left to go to do their report, and they realized that uh, Deacon ditched Napoleon. So they leave the other guys at the mall, which is absolutely great, so they can go looking for Napoleon. And he ends up going to this water park called Waterloo. So uh, they get everybody gets in trouble, basically. They all get arrested because of the crap that they did in the mall. They get arrested by Captain Logan, of course. So Bill and Ted, they got to get an escape plan. They got to get all these guys out, but they don't know how they're going to do it. So they use the time machine in the future to set up what they need now. So that's where the time travel really comes into play for funny sake. Like this, the best way I've ever seen this done is in frequency with the wallet where uh you know they need fingerprints on the wallet but it's got to be 30 years into the future so the dad hides the wallet inside the boards in the house where he knows it'll never be messed with and then you know jim caviezel finds it and there i mean that's my favorite like time travel you know hide stuff and, and it's the revealed moment that's my favorite one is from frequency but anyways, they end up doing these funny things, trash can, tape recorder, so on and so forth, which eventually is it works to get everybody out. So they head over and they go to this, you know, they go to school and they do their presentation, which of course everybody miraculously knows what to say, how to do their presentation, so on and so forth. And they do go, they pass the course, they take all the historical figures back to their own periods. And then by the end of the movie, Rufus returns to Bill and Ted with the princesses that they found earlier in the film. And, you know, they let them know that, uh, you know, they give them guitars and ask to join the group. You know, basically ask, can I play with you guys? Because you guys are legends. And when you hear them play, they are they are terrible. And he just looks at the camera and says, well, they do get better. And then the movie ends. So that's essentially all the the basic plot of what happens in the film. So let's get into the things that I really like in this flick. All right, so when this movie starts off, you know, and we get kind of introduced to Rufus, I like George Carlin in this. You know, I've to be honest with you, uh, I know of George Carlin, and I've seen him in a few things. I know that he was this huge, massive comedian a lot of people really loved. Uh, I don't know a whole lot about him. You know, I know he said some various crude things here and there, but what comic doesn't? So I really don't have anything bad to say about George Carlin himself because I really don't know of him too much. Uh, but in regards to playing Rufus, he's good times. He's definitely fun. Uh, he's got a really cool presence, good chemistry with uh, Bill and Ted. And he's just, he was overall fun character. You know, when we get introduced to Bill and Ted, of course, you know, Keanu Reeves, you know, he was awesome. But of course, it took him a while to get rid of that whole Ted persona. You know, he was awesome in Point Break, but he still kind of had that whole long hair surfer dude kind of attitude. So, of course, Speed is really the movie that kind of changed his career. And, you know, Alex Winter today, you know, he pretty much has a normal life. But Bill and Ted, these two 
obviously work really well together. And I can't say I love one over the other because I love them both the same because they're both funny and just bring out the best of both of each other. I really love in the beginning of the movie when they're in history class and their history class teacher, he's really good times. But he asked, you know, Bill and Ted, who is Joan of Arc? And they're like Noah's wife, you know, and I mean, immediately tells you the kind of people that you're going to be dealing with in this film. Now, I would say the quote unquote bad guy of the movie would be Ted's dad, Captain Logan, because he's just, you know, he's all about sending him to Alaska and he's kind of the obstacle that they need to go around. He's not really a bad guy, but he's just kind of the, I guess, mini threat that they have to deal with the protagonist of the of the story, you know, he's not a bad guy, you know, in a normal bad guy sense, but you know, he works okay. He's kind of annoying, but he's supposed to be, you're not really supposed to like this guy whatsoever. Now, as far as the parents of, uh, you know, Bill, they are really barely in this movie. You know, his father really isn't in this film a whole lot. Missy, you know, there's this joke about that's your mom, dude. Uh, because they, he's really attracted to his stepmom, you know, and, uh, but they're not in a whole lot, which is fine. You know, the parents are not the main people we need to deal with in this film, which is perfectly fine. But overall, though, I love their joking, of course. You know, it's your mom, dude, or shut up, Ted, over and over again, which, of course, will play into the next film. Now, I love when they see themselves and they're like, okay, if you're really us, what number are we thinking of? 69, dudes. I just love, number one, the air guitar is great because how many of us have not done air guitar before? But, of course, their air guitar actually has a guitar sound, which is just really great. But, uh, I mean, th- these guys are just dumb fun. And it, they're even better when they're talking to themselves in the beginning of the movie. It's, it's really hilarious. Now, overall, in regards to, I guess, special effects, you know, for a movie that came out in 88, it really is not too bad for 2013. I mean, luckily with this film, they don't really deal with a whole lot of special effects. The big one, of course, would be the time travel, which when you're doing the whole time travel thing where it's real, got lots of colors and neon lights and everything like that, that looks, that still looks good today. Really, uh, the one scene that looks bad is when they get out of there. This is before they see Billy the kid and they're in the air and it looks okay. You know, on a scale of like one to 10, it's probably a six. It's not, I mean, we've seen worse special effects in an older movie like this. And we've actually seen worse in newer movies than this. So for the most part, the special effects hold up really, really well for 2013, which was pretty cool. Now, I mentioned before in the when I was going through the plot about the rules. And really, the biggest rule is that your clock is always running in San Dimas. That's the number one rule. And it's a pretty simple rule. You know, if you're dealing with the comedy Comedies, you don't really want to use your brain a whole lot. That's kind of the purpose of why you're going to watch a comedy. And I like the fact they give you simplistic rules for time travel. Because, I mean, let's face it. Time travel movies, depending on which movie you watch, can be very, okay, that makes sense. Or it could be, this makes no sense. Or you're you're ending up tearing your hair out of your head because you don't understand the concept of the time travel that they're trying to tell you. I would say in regards to my favorite time travel movies, uh, of course, number one would be, you know, Back to the Future. 
Number two would be frequency. Number three would be time cop. Uh, those are my my three favorite time travel flicks. Love them. They're great. Uh, Back to the Future, I mean, I, I consider the trilogy one movie just like I do the Dark Knight trilogy. I consider it one long movie. So uh, you could take any one of those you want. It still fits as one movie for me. But in a comedy like this, one simple rule, just remember that the clock always stays running in San Dimas. You know, it's simple enough in a comedy. So good times. I like the fact that they make it simplistic for you. Now, one of the things I love is the mispronunciations of the names in here. Instead of uh, Sigmund Freud, they always call him Sigmund Fraud or no Sigmund Freud. Hey, Sigmund Freud, you know, instead of fraud, which is always great. I always dig that. And when they go to 19 or 1879, you know, and they go to the bar and they're like, two beers, please. And the bartender gives them beers. It's like, no car, dude. You know, I totally love that. That was great. And then when we see them playing cards, I love how every time he gets a new card, uh, Bill and Ted, well, first you have Ted. Uh, looking all like, yeah, dude, I got a happy face. And then you got uh, Bill, who's just like, dude, you got to keep a poker face, dude. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they're like, and then instantly after he says that, three aces, dude. Oh, man, I love it. It's great. It's hilarious. Um, man, it's, it's so much fun. These two are so stupid, but they're so awesome at the same time. And you got to love when they go to Greece and they pick up Socrates that they call him Socrates. That's what everybody calls him the whole entire movie. And what I really love is this guy doesn't speak any English, but somehow he miraculously knows what everybody's saying. You know, you have Billy the Kid that will tell him throughout the movie to uh, just wait here or they got to bust them out of getting before they get their head chopped off. I do like it when he calls uh, he calls Sigmund Freud a geek in the mall. That was hilarious. But I I, I dig Socrates because uh, he is just he's a gentle presence on the screen. You know he's definitely uh, you can kind of miss him if you're not really looking for him. But when you do see him though, he's like one of those guys that you're like, man, I you're you're like my grandpa kind of. You know one of those fun loving guys. And that's I really dig Socrates as they call him in the film. But of course, Billy the Kid, though, he is really good times. One of the things I really love that they say, which they don't say a whole lot of part two, is let's bag him. Every time they see somebody, let's bag him, let's bag him. Okay, so this was really eating at me when I was watching the film. So when they get to Joan of Arc, the girl that plays Joan of Arc, I'm just like, okay, I swear that's Jane uh, Jane Wheatland. And you're probably like, okay, who is that? If you guys know, uh, she's from the girl group, the Go-Go's. So I'm like, she looks just like her, but, you know, younger, of course. So it was. After this movie was over, I went and looked up who played Jonah Ark, and it was her. So good times. She doesn't have a whole lot to do in this. Really, your main people that really have something to do are Billy the Kid, Abraham Lincoln, uh, Beethoven, and then, of course, uh, Mr. Genghis Khan is uh, always a good time. Now, I really love Billy the Kid in this. Of course, the real Billy the Kid would never act like this, but you just got to love the relationship of Billy the Kid and Bill and Ted instantly saying dude and just doing everything that you know they want. Of course, Billy says, you know, you guys saved my life. But uh, what I really love, my one of my favorite scenes 
is when they go and they first meet the princesses and they put on those suits and they're like, dude, we're heavy metal. And my favorite line of this whole entire movie, uh, which is so great because it's used again in part two, but in a different way. And that's when you have uh, Ted fall down the stairs and you see Bill looking at him and they stab him. And then the guy comes in and uh, he goes, you killed Ted, you medieval dickweed. Oh, man, so good, so hilarious. I laugh every time I hear that line. I don't know what it is. It just makes me laugh. It's good times. And then he will use that again later, uh, which I'll talk about. But I love when uh, they're fighting, everything's good. They see the king. They're like, how's it going, royal ugly dudes? And, man, I could talk like them all day. It's awesome. And send them to the Iron Maiden excellent and he goes execute them bogus i think that's like my that's got to be my second favorite lines of the movie is right after you know you killed ted is the iron maiden excellent and then execute them bogus i love it it's great now uh after this there's one scene in particular that i'm just kind of like eh I could take it or leave it. And that's the future scene, you know, where they go to the utopia and they really don't know what's going on. Of course, I mean, it does come into play later where Rufus explains at the end of the film what that place was. But you're having such this good, fun time. And then you get to the future and it just I feel like it kind of slows things down a little bit. I'm not sure where they should have placed that differently. But I just kind of feel like, well, that kind of slows things down because I've been having so much fun. I've been laughing. It's been a good ride. And all of a sudden we show up to this future and it feels like the movie takes a a small halt. And just so we can look around and see cool lights and people that don't talk and just have be excellent to one another. And then you're back to the adventure. So it just it's one of those things that I just wish were moved to a different scene or whatever. It's okay. I don't hate it. It doesn't drop any star ratings or anything like that. But it's just the one scene that I don't like in the movie. Because it just kind of slows and puts a halt to the fun adventure that we've been having. Now I do love the uh, of course ice cream scene. Uh, where they take Napoleon. This guy is great. I mean, he doesn't speak any English, but he clearly has such great facial expressions and body language. You clearly know what the guy is saying. And I love when he looks at the ice cream, he's like, La Gaza. You know, I have no idea what that means or what he's saying. I don't even know if he's swearing or whatever, but it's great. I love it. The whole ice cream scene is great when he gets thrown out. I don't like the Ziggy Piggy guys, though. Those guys, I mean, this movie is over the top, but those guys are way over the top. Ziggy Piggy. And then they put the nose up and then they start doing like the pig sounds. Oh, I could totally shoot those two guys. Those guys are like, ugh, I hate that. It sucks. But granted, they're only on screen for like seven seconds. So no big deal. But I love the ice cream stuff. It's good times. And I love when he gets thrown out, especially... You know, he gets thrown out during the bowling scene. He throws the bowl, he throws the ball and he just says, you know, he just keeps swearing over and over and over and over again, which I love when you watch the TV version of this, the words that they would put up instead, which I can't even remember. I think it was like stupid, 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 stupid or something like that. It was, it was great. But overall, it's funny when he gets thrown out and he just starts mouthing off to the guy that threw him out. You have no idea what he's saying. And that's the cool thing. You can just kind of put your own words in there. 
Now, I would say my two favorite uh, historical people in this is Genghis Khan, which we don't see a whole lot. Uh, Genghis Khan, the reason why I really like Genghis Khan is because the guy who plays him is Al uh, Long. Now, this guy has got to be one of the most famous villains there there is. I mean, he's always a bad guy. You know, uh, Big Trouble in Little China is the one you're really probably going to know him from because they really showed his face a lot in Big Trouble in Little China. Um, he basically is in, uh, he's a terrorist in Die Hard. He's in a Lethal Weapon. Uh, he's one of the, he's the guy that actually tries to torture uh, Mel Gibson. So that's one, one place you'll know him from. Uh, he's also in um, Death Warrant. He's a thug. Showdown in Little Tokyo, he's a thug. Rapid Fire. Uh, Brandon Lee, it's cool that he got to work with him twice. Uh, Last Action Hero, he's a thug. Double Dragon, he's in Beverly Hills Cop 3. He's in uh, Godzilla, Lethal Weapon 4. He was actually in the Scorpion King. So, I mean, I really dig this guy. He's good times. Anytime I see him, I'm just like, yeah. So, uh, my second favorite, of course, would be Abe Lincoln. He's just great. He's funny. I love when he's uh, when they're trying to repair the time machine with gum. I love his face where he just doesn't really know what's in his mouth. I just dig that. It's good. Now, one of my favorite parts is when they uh, show up at the house uh, where Missy's at, and you know you have uh, you have Ted saying who each person is, and he gives each person their own name. You know, he totally is somewhat relating to like, well, this is Joan of Montreal or, you know, whatever. But then he gets to Abe Lincoln. And he's just like, uh, yeah, Abraham Lincoln. He's like, I got nothing, you know, really fun scene. But my favorite, favorite, favorite scene in the whole entire film is when we get to the mall. I love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. This is the best, man. This is great. This is where you get to see everybody get in trouble. Uh, you have Billy the Kid and So Crates trying to hook up with some ladies. And then uh, Sigmund Freud comes in and they call him Geek, which is great. But you have uh, you have uh, Genghis Khan tearing up mannequins. I love the whole uh, mannequin head and the basketball hoop. And then he does the flip, lands on the skateboard. That's great. Joan of Arc, she's all like being a dance instructor and Beethoven. I love Beethoven. This is great because when I first watched this movie as a kid, I thought that was really him doing all the piano stuff. But now watching it as an adult, I clearly hear that it's just a regular rock song that's being played in the background. Because if you listen to it while people are, there's chaos ensuing, you can hear words in the background. So it's clearly just a song. So Beethoven, you have no idea what Beethoven is actually playing. He's clearly not playing the song that you're hearing during that montage, but it's cool. I dig it. It's still a fun song. Uh, it's just got a really good fast beat to it. It's just craziness ensues. I dig it. That's my favorite scene in the whole film. I could watch that over and over and over again. It's really good. Billy the kids shooting up the mall. It's just fun times. Now, one of the funniest parts in the film uh, which, you know, my, my daughter's watching with me and she's 10 years old and she hasn't really questioned any of the logic in this film, but we get to the water park where, uh, Napoleon is and she goes, how did he get a ticket? You know? And all of a sudden he sneaks in and then I'm like, 
Does that answer your question? She goes, oh, yeah. That's the only time watching this whole movie she asked me a question outside of like, wow, those guys are really dumb. I'm like, and then I explained to her why they're acting dumb. And she's like, oh, okay, I get it. But that was the only question that she was just like, how did he get a ticket? So I thought that was funny. Now, uh, of course, by this time, they're showing you that the report is coming due. You have a guy on stage, which I think almost everybody's favorite line in this movie is San Dimas High School Football Rules. I, I don't know how many people I've heard quote that throughout my whole entire life. But I think that's everybody's favorite line. But originally when I watched this, I thought it said it was 2.30 and that their thing was at 2.45. And then all this crap was happening. I'm like, I don't get it. And then they would go back a few scenes later and then it would show that the time is now like 2.10. And I was like, oh, okay, it was 1.30 the first time they showed the clock not 2.30. Cause I was like, how did they get all this done in 15 minutes? But you know, then it made perfect sense. It was cool. So the only question I have is, and I know I shouldn't question the logic in this film because it's ridiculous, but here's just my legitimate stupid question. So they're in the jail, they're breaking everybody out. I dig the whole, you know, trash can and, and the keys and this whole logic here. I dig it. It's good stuff. But when they're in the jail and, and they're, they're breaking everybody out and there's a window there, how do they get the window open when there were bars there earlier? That I never understood. Um, so I don't know. Uh, who, who cares? I mean, I guess I got to go along with it. But that's just the one legitimate question I have is, how did they get the bars off of the window so they could crawl out the window to escape? But whatever. It's Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, right? And then uh, what I love is, of course, we get the presentation. You got to love how during this presentation, everybody miraculously knows what to say, how to say it, where to stand, who goes first, who does the lights. Like they were all in the phone booth and they're like, hey, this is how we're going to do it. And this is what I want you to say. I mean, clearly, clearly this presentation was at least two hours long. There's no way that this thing was less. I mean, by the time they spent setting up for Napoleon's thing, uh, having Sigmund Freud do his therapy lessons and then uh joan of arc and just the whole montage is great it's fun but there's no way that this presentation was less than two hours long no way i mean it's crazy so i love it it's great and uh i just love how you have the high school students that are just all like cheering because they're watching the high school that they're watching a presentation like really a high school student would do that i don't think so although you know the ending was great where you have uh, the presentation and then rufus shows up with the princesses and gives them the guitars and he has a great shredding scene and then uh, you know, he says they do get better. So overall, I will say this. I found myself really enjoying this one way more than I remember uh, liking this movie. I always liked this movie, but uh, I found myself just this time around really, really having a good time. You know, granted, I really wanted to see part two. Uh, over this one but I found myself being so much uh, pulled into this world that I totally was not thinking about part two anymore I was really enjoying this one I'm like wow I forgot how good this movie really is I'm going to give this one a, a 100% solid four stars you know uh, it's got really great comedy that's still funny today uh, it's just a very fun story there's not really a lot of problems with it outside of you know just the overall ridiculousness of the concept of this movie. 
You know, in regards to why I won't give it a four and a half, well, that's because, you know, I love part two better. Now, the question remains is, do I rate number two higher than I rate number one? Well, we'll find out in a little bit. But I went in this movie thinking it was a four star, and I came out of this movie solidifying that, yeah, this is a four star, possibly a four and a half, depending on my feelings of part two now that I've revisited this movie. So, I'm going to give you my score now of four stars, but by the end of part two, we're going to revisit based on part two, and we'll see what my final score is. So just to give you a little tease, I'm currently at four stars with Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. So let's hit the trailer for Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, and then we will talk about that movie, the final movie in the Bill and Ted series. Here we go. I have a feeling we're about to embark upon a most unprecedented expedition. Once they made history. I must see to it that you die. Now, they are history. Bill and Ted are dead. Welcome to hell. It's the Grim Reaper, dude. How's it hanging, Death? But they're having one hell of a time. This is not what I expected this place to look like at all. We got totally lied to by our album covers, man. Taking in the sights. Not bad, dude. We totally knew a guy got one of those in his bucket of chicken. Making new friends. Excuse us, dude, but is there any way we can get back? You may challenge me to a contest. J7. You have sunk my battleship. Best two out of three. What? Enjoying the family. No way! Invading the present. I totally possess my dad. Battling <laughs> the future. You metal, dude! Excuse us, but your shoes are untied. Congratulations on Earth! Not to mention your other great planets. Mars, Jupiter, Uranus. It's the comeback of all time. Bill and Ted's bogus journey. It's a trip. Best of seven? Damn right! Ah, dude! Left hand red. Bill and Ted's bogus journey. All right, Bill and Ted's bogus journey. And you're probably asking yourself, why do I like part two better than I like part one? Uh, And then we'll also, by the end of this, talk about, do I still like part two over part one? But just, you know, going into this series, just remembering how I felt I was always like part two is my favorite. So the biggest reason why is because of William Sadler playing Death, the Grim Reaper. Great. Uh, He is, this guy steals this movie. He is just so funny. Now, normally I'm not a big fan of this guy. I think he is an excellent bad guy. He was great in Die Hard 2. Uh, He's kind of a a major douchebag in Trespass with Bill Paxton, Ice-T, Ice Cube, Um, most of the time he's usually a bad guy. This is kind of his first role where he gets to be a good guy. Now, granted, death is supposed to be a quote unquote bad guy, but he really is just super funny, great comedic timing, great facial expressions. He's just an excellent, uh, he's just excellent. You know, I could say for sure. So, uh, this movie, 
was not as successful as number one. I mean, uh, it kind of had mixed reviews, if you will. Um, and I could definitely see why most people, I, I'm not sure if this is a hated film or not. As far as I know of most people, they love Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and they love The Bogus Journey. So uh, this film opens up uh, kind of like it did before in the utopia future. And, uh, of course, it's set to the music of Bill and Ted. Now, our main bad guy in this film is the main bad guy from uh, Lethal Weapon 2. Uh, this guy is Chuck Denamos, played by Josh Acklin. As I said, he's the he's the douchebag bad guy in Lethal Weapon 2. Uh, you know, diplomatic immunity. You know, boom, shot in the head. It's just been revoked. Good times. Uh, so he basically, he he detests the society of this utopia. And what he does is he steals one of the time-traveling phone booths. Uh, he's created these two robots who look just like Bill and Ted. And uh, they travel to the 20th century. And what they want to do is they want to prevent Bill and Ted from winning this uh, San Dimas Battle of the Bands. Uh, Rufus, he plans to you know, stop these guys. So what he does is he attaches himself to the phone booth that's going through the circuits of time so he can stop this from going on. But of course, you think he is dead because as uh, the evil Bill and Ted are going to time travel, he gets his guitar, attaches on top of the phone booth, and he goes through the hole. Uh, and then when they when they show up, which is the same place where Bill and Ted was at the first movie, they look and they just see the broken guitar. He's like, oh, we must have lost him, dude. You know, so then you don't see Rufus for the rest of the movie. So then we cut to the real Bill and Ted, uh, the Wild Stallions. They're preparing for this concert, which, funny enough, Pam Greer is actually the person that's running this battle of the band. She plays Miss uh, Wardrobe. So essentially, the guys, they are still with the princesses from the first movie, which I believe are played by different actresses. Now, Bill and Ted, they still don't know how to play music. I mean, they still really suck. But, you know, Miss Wardrobe, Pam Greer, she does assure them a slot in the contest as the final act because most people are going to leave for the final act. You know, it's going to be late. No big deal. Now, Bill's stepmother, Missy, from the first movie, she divorced his father and uh, in favor of Ted, uh, you know, he she essentially married Ted's dad. So Bill and Ted are really brothers uh, or stepbrothers in this movie. Now, um, we still have the threats of the military school if they fail the Battle of the Bands. Now, after Bill and Ted propose to the girls and they say yes, they take off and they get a phone call that says that they're breaking up with them. They're breaking up with the band. So they're all depressed and they just don't understand what's going on. Well, it's because the Bill and Ted robots pretend to be them. So they go over to their apartment and they, you know, you, you have Ted who's just like, ah, I don't know, man, this doesn't feel right. And he goes, well, this happened the first time, so we know we got to trust these guys. But they essentially go and they they kill Bill and Ted. They throw him over uh, this cliff. And then afterwards, they go and mess things up with the princesses, and they're all rude and, you know, almost possible rape scene, if you will. Uh, it's pretty crazy and just want to ruin their fame because that's the whole purpose of them being here. So Bill and Ted, they're met by Death, played by William Sadler. 
and uh, he challenges them in a game for their souls because, you know, Bill and Ted, they want to get out. And he's like, there is no getting out. You're here forever. Uh, you are able to challenge me, but nobody ever wins. So Bill and Ted, they escape by giving death a Melvin, which for those of you who want to know what a Melvin is, just think of a wedgie. There you go. So they attempt to alert their families uh, that they're dead. Uh, but, you know, they go to the seance, which is held by Missy. But, of course, Missy knows what's going Well, she doesn't really know it's Bill and Ted, but she knows they're crazy. So she sends them to hell. So Bill and Ted, they're in hell, and uh, they're tormented by Satan, of course, uh, which is made, uh, he makes them face their own fears and realize that their only escape is to take death's offer. So we'll get into, we'll get into hell and, and the stuff that happens there in a little bit, which is just hilarious. So they, they go to death's chambers and they play battleship and uh, Bill and Ted, they basically beat him and he's like three out of five, you know, so they play clue twister, but eventually uh, death has no choice but to award them with getting out. So death, uh, you know, he takes his defeat. He becomes a servant to them. So Bill and Ted, they need to locate the smartest person in the universe to help build robots to take on the evil robots. So death takes them to heaven. So they ask God, hey, we need some help here and we need to, you know, take out these dudes. So uh, God gives them this alien named Station who has the ability to split into two identical twins, think Teen Wolf, and uh, and then, of course, makes bill and ted the robots man if you thought the first one was out there this one's way out there so you know death brings it back to the real world where the night of the battle of the bands is going to happen so the boys take station over to this uh, hardware store and uh, they race in their van back to the concert while station creates the good robots and when Bill and Ted arrive, uh, the station robots easily defeat the bad guys. So then Chuck appears in the time machine. He's ready to defeat Bill and Ted in person. And he overrides the broadcasting equipment to send a video footage to uh, everybody on Earth. So, of course, we get a little tribute of part one where uh, they realize that they can uh, go uh, back in time to arrange events for Chuck to be trapped in the present. So, uh, aided by death and station, uh, you know, they get the upper hand and uh, we have Chuck taken away by the police and then... Uh, we have uh, Pam Greer's character, uh, Miss Wardrobe, reveal herself to actually be Rufus in disguise. So we really don't get to see Rufus a whole lot in this movie. But he assured Bill and Ted's spot in the concert. He's like, who else would have let you guys in here? So uh, Bill and Ted, of course, they're all excited, but they realize that, man, they still don't know how to play. So what they do is they uh, they go into the future and they, you know, they go, they have essentially 16 months of crazy guitar training and they took a two week honeymoon. So they come back and they got kids and everything. And then, uh, they stun everybody by seeing how great they play. So death and station and the good robots are all part of the band. And there's this worldwide broadcast set that shows that Wild Salem's music is being played across the uh, across the globe and Death's becoming famous and then he doesn't become famous and joins the band. And then during the end of the credits, uh, credits you have all these cool newspaper and magazine articles that are just kind of telling you what happens in the future. 
And, you know, it basically shows the utopia happens and that's the end of the movie. All right. So let's get into the uh, the details of stuff that I really dig in this flick. So first off, the movie starts and we see some ridiculous looking clothing. I mean, this is really bad looking. I mean, this is even worse than Back to the Future 2 clothes. Uh, I mean, it's got a lot of big, bright neon colors and um, I mean, it's supposed to be futuristic and stuff, but it just, the clothes look really insane. It's not like I hate them or anything. I'm just saying the clothes are just way crazy and insane. Now, of course, I like when uh, Rufus, you know, you find out he's a teacher, which is really cool. I like how he starts talking all this futuristic things about how uh, there's this uh, verberation thing that we couldn't imagine our life without it if we didn't have it which was pretty cool. Uh, I can't remember the exact line, but he goes in this really fast dialogue about this thing. Now, unlike the first movie, we actually have a bad guy. I mean, the first movie we had, you know, the dad, uh, he was just more of a irritation than anything. But in this one, you know, we have the bad guy from Lethal Weapon 2, Chuck, as, you know, our main guy that wants to take out Bill and Ted. And then, of course, we have Bill and Ted, uh, the evil robots, which are just good, fun times, but they're not as threatening as this guy is. Now, of course, he plays an excellent bad guy. He's not in this movie a whole lot, so I don't have anything bad to say about him. I don't have anything good to say. Just that, you know, doing what he needed to do, he did a good job. I, I really enjoyed the whole Bill and Ted uh, bad guys versus good guys uh, versions of themselves, which was really fun. It definitely gave a new level to this movie, which is pretty cool. Now, there's one uh, thing I can say is definitely hurtful in this movie compared to the first one. In the first one, there really wasn't a lot of uh, special effects, or there, if there were special effects, it, they looked pretty good. You know, there was a lot of colors and stuff, so it would really help hide any sort of bad screens or anything. This one is they want to peel the faces off and the chest. And to be honest with you, it really looks good most of the time. You know, the first time that you have the Bill and Ted's taken off their face to show the robot face uh, look pretty good. I mean, you could clearly tell it wasn't as good as it could be today. Opening up the chest, you know, look pretty silicone, of course. Uh, the only time it really looked bad was the apartment scene where they're using the head, you know, uh, to play basketball with and where you would have uh, Ted's eyes be the um, like a TV screen so Chuck could talk to Bill. So it wasn't too bad. I mean, it definitely could be worse. There's movies that have, are far worse with special effects like this, but I, I feel like they did... They were trying way too much with the special effects in this one. Kind of like, hey, look at what we can do kind of thing. Versus in the first one, it was it was basic and used enough to where it looked good or didn't take you out of it or anything. In this one, I really noticed it more. I'm like, wow, you guys are doing that again? Haven't you? I don't know. It just felt like they were trying to say, look what we can do. It looks good. Let's do it as much as we can. Overall, though, I would give the special effects a 7 because for the most part, they did look really good outside of, you know, when you're holding a head, you can clearly tell it's fake. But it, for the time period this was made, 1991, it really was a pretty darn good job. So I got to give it a solid 7 in regards to the special effects in this one. But I feel they did use it way too much 
versus the first movie they didn't. They did it just a perfect amount uh, of special effects in that one. Now, let's talk about the the Colonel, Colonel Oates. Now, Colonel Oates, he's definitely a fun character in this one because, you know, he's a, he's a colonel. He's a jerk-off, you know. Uh, but he is... You'll know this guy from uh, Major League if you've ever seen that one. This is, uh, you know, the old guy who's just like, you know, you should think about taking Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know. And he goes, ah, Jesus, I like him very much, but he no help with curveball. Are you trying to say Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball? You know, that guy. That guy, I love that scene, by the way, if you couldn't tell. And then he gets hit over the head uh, with a baseball bat when he's messing with Joe Boo. Up your butt, Joe Boo, you know. So anyways, he's good. Uh, he, he was not in a whole lot. He's in like two scenes, but he definitely works. Now there is one joke that I, I really find funny is when they're talking about Missy, you know, now, uh, being married to Ted's dad and that they're basically, uh, you know, now they're basically related. And I just love how, yeah, maybe you could marry her someday. You could be your own stepdad. Awesome. You know, it was stupid. But it was it was a funny line. I don't know why I thought it was so funny, but it was. And uh, when they proposed to their, you know, the princesses, I love how the the camera work is really good in this scene because it does a really good job of capturing what both of them are saying at the same time. They're essentially saying the same thing with just uh, different. Each one is using different things in their poem. There's certain things that they say the exact same words. And there's other things where they're using different examples. But it's the same premise in their proposal speech, which was really good. And I really dug. I thought that was pretty funny. And how about those rings? Are those rings not terrible? I mean, those look like one of those uh, 25 cent quarter things you stick in a ring machine and there you go but it that's the beauty of bill and ted you definitely go along with it it's definitely you know it definitely works you wouldn't expect these guys to have any money and actually buy these girls real rings so i like it it works now the phone booth and the first movie look really good this one i'll tell you man the top of it looks really really bad when you know the evil bill and ted they show up and they see the guitar on the top and they're looking for Rufus. And uh, when they show the top of the of the phone booth, it looks r- like really bad plastic. I don't know why they decided to make it look that terrible. But it was like, man, it was really bad. It was almost laughable when you take a look at it. So I don't know what the deal is with that phone booth at the top, but it looks terrible. Now, when the evil Bill and Ted show up at the good Bill and Ted's house, they shake hands. This definitely goes against the time cop logic because in time cop, uh, the same uh, mass can occupy the same space, so they can't touch each other. But clearly, you know, I mean, of course, time cop came out way after this movie. But if you're just going by, you know, other movie time travel rules, This movie doesn't really have any, they really don't have a whole lot of reason to do any time travel, but that's just one thing I noticed is when they were shaking hands, I was like, ah, this clearly isn't like time cop, you know, rules. And when they're, you know, talking to each other, when uh, Ted just like, I don't know about this. And, you know, he's Bill's like, oh man, it'll be okay. He goes, okay, how many fingers am I going to throw, put up? And then uh, he's like three and then he's like, all right. And then I love how they look at each other, the evil Bill and Ted. Like, oh, that was close. Like, what a bunch of idiots. I'm so glad I guessed that right. That was actually really good facial expression 
from those two. I dug it. Now, of course, I gotta love the deaf scene because you know they're you they're in the back of the van talking and you hear them say "shut your hole" and they're like, "Man, I gotta remember to be nicer to myself." And then they get out like, "We're totally gonna kill you, dudes!" Bogus. And then they get thrown off the cliff. And I like when they die. It has this real like gray color to it which it should i mean it should clearly tell you the difference between the live world and the dead world but it's cool it's it's like a sepia color with a real color in the background so it's like the whole movie doesn't turn sepia it's just bill and ted turns sepia color while the rest of the movie has its normal colors and i i dig that that was pretty cool and then their voice has like this echoey voice but it only lasts for a little bit I kind of wish it was throughout the whole film, but that's okay. I mean, I could definitely forgive that. And then we get the introduction to death, man. And, oh, is he funny. And, of course, that uh, bit of humor comes out the first time when when he talks about being challenged. And, well, what happens if we beat you? No one has ever beaten me. And then he just smiles. And uh, I love it. And, of course, he gets the Melvin. And the way his face looks is great. Everything that he does is gold in this whole movie. He is my favorite part of the film. He's hilarious. He has great facial expressions. Every line of dialogue that he has is just excellent. This is by far my favorite performance of uh, William Sadler, man. It is just so good. He's uh, he's phenomenal. A-plus performance in this film. Now, uh, part of the special effects that were okay is like when Bill and Ted have to go to the police station and, you know, they possess uh, the, you know, the the dad and, and the guy next to him. Going inside the ear looked okay. It wasn't phenomenal. It wasn't terrible. It was just okay. Uh, I mean, there's some times where the effects look really good and then other times where they kind of pushed it a little bit. That's why I gave it a solid seven for the special effects because, it just, like I said, it just felt a little too much sometimes. But like the seance, that looked really good. It was really funny. And then we get to, uh, you know, we get to hell. And man, hell is a crazy. First off, I love the deep hole. I mean, it's hilarious. They're still, they're just all screaming and screaming and just like, man, this is a deep hole. What do we do? Ah. And then I love how they're like, you want to play. You know, they're playing a game in the air and then they land, but you see hell and it's like real crazy. And the thing with making movies that deal with like hell, it's you never know how somebody artistically is going to make it. And I really like how they made, you know, Satan look. He looked real menacing, which he should, but it was really cool the way that he looked. And then when they, you know, they each get put in their personal hell. Man, so funny with the colonel making them go to infinity and getting out. And then you have the grandma with the hairy face trying to give the kiss. But the bunny rabbit's the best. The bunny rabbit is hilarious. Just the the things that he would say. I mean, he basically looked like if Chucky was not a doll, but Chucky was a bunny rabbit. That's exactly how this thing looked. Uh, but overall, though, it was just it was really funny. The Colonel man was great just with uh, the things he would say uh, when you'd have Bill like, yes, dude, sir. Yes, sir, dude. You know, just he's like, what? What are you saying? You know, that that whole scene is really funny. I think that's my favorite scene of the film is just that whole personal hell that they're dealing with is just real funny. And I should say my favorite scene is by far the bat, you know, the challenge with death. That's my favorite scene. Just the whole battleship 
and you sunk my battleship. And he's like, that's the two out of three. He goes, what? You know, and then they play Clue. He's like, you're wrong, dude. It was Colonel Mustard. Uh, three out of five, you know, <laughs> and uh, best out of seven. Damn right. You know, I just I love it. That's my favorite part, because that really when I started to like, man, I love death. He is just so funny. And uh, that's that's just great. I love it. And when they go to heaven, it's crazy. The, when they show heaven, that looks really bad. Like when they're showing like all those like millions of circles and stuff. Uh, I mean, the circles look good, but it's like the actual uh, like palace of heaven is this terrible looking painting. Oh, my gosh. It's so bad looking. You know, I don't understand how you can go from looking so good uh, and then like three years later you do stuff like this. So it's just really weird choices of how they decided to do things. I mean, I know you can't make a palace and really make heaven, but I've seen way better looking things of heaven and they would even come from older movies than this one. But, you know, it is what it is. But inside heaven, we do have a few jokes where, you know, they they mug three people, take their clothes, and they kind of make fun of death because he looks like the woman. You think I really look good? And they start making fun of him. And, you know, it overall, it's a, it's a funny scene. And you have Bill and Ted trying to get into heaven. And what's the meaning of life? And they give the, the song lyrics to Every Rose Has Its Thorn. So it's just an overall, you know, it, it's kind of dumb, but it's kind of funny. It's kind of cheesy in a way. It's not as good of the scene that hell was. Heaven was just kind of more like they kind of didn't know how to make it funny. You know, they wanted to be, I guess, respectful in that scene but they still wanted to be funny and I think they just didn't know kind of how to do that but overall though they get Station which works I dig Station he's good looking uh, uh, puppet or guy inside a suit however you want to call it he looks good he's funny he always says Station the whole time um, I really dig I really dig his character and I like when he combines into one it reminds me of Teen Wolf now where you have two twins that combine into one big alpha werewolf it's kind of how it is with Station. He's great. And the play between Station and Death are really great. You know, when they come back to Earth and Death hits the ground and he can't breathe, you have him in the back of the van and Station just laughing at him. Both of them are laughing. He's like, what? What? Leave me alone. You know, uh, they have a really good, funny scenes together. And then, of course, Death's face as they go to the hardware store. And I love him going up to people. I'll see you soon as he's smoking. But when they get all their supplies and they're putting the robots together and you just see Def's face get all like, wow, that's so awesome. And he's just kind of in shock. You know, like I said, he's my favorite character in this film. He's just he's so good. When they uh, get out of the van, they're like, good work, Station. And Def's like, well, what about me? You know, I put this together. And it's like Def never gets enough uh, support from the guys which is always you know it's just a kind of a, a running gag throughout the film now uh the line from the first one my favorite line you know you killed ted you medieval dickweed you know they they do that again in this one where uh he says you know you evil metal dickweeds <laughs> i don't know what it is but it's just funny man he he says the line again but he just changes it from uh medieval to evil metal you know, it, it's it's pretty cool that they went back to that. It's almost like, hey, that was our favorite line, so let's throw it in again. Uh, overall, though, the ending is, uh, you know, not too bad. Special effects-wise, looks good. It's a pretty good ending with uh, the robots taking on the other robots. 
who actually they don't even put up a fight they're just like whoa those look cool catch you later bill and ted and then you know they put their heads up ready to get their heads knocked off so it was kind of like anticlimactic, if you will but you know overall it's cool and i do dig their look man when they go back and they got to learn how to play i like the long beard they look kind of like zz top if you will and i love the ending with the clips of the magazines and stuff and just showing you the progression and and death getting his own solo adventure and coming back and there's actually one newspaper that is the front cover of the poster and the front cover of the dvd is the one that's on one of the magazines about death being reunited with uh the wild stallions so overall here's kind of my uh kind of where i'm at with this series so after watching part two, um, I didn't laugh as much as I remembered laughing. Uh, I still laugh at everything with death. But I would definitely say the first one is the better uh, movie of the two. No doubt about it. In fact, watching part two made me raise my rate of part one from four to four and a half. Because it was just so much fun. And there was just a lot of, uh, it was just a lot of heart. Uh, really good story. Uh, it was easy to follow. Um, this one is just kind of out there where uh, it's I I can't say I have more fun with it. I definitely enjoy it. I don't think it's a bad sequel at all. You know, I would say now I don't like part two as much as I like part one, but I don't like it any less if that makes any sense. So I should put it this way. Part two made me like part one that much more. Because seeing the different things that have going on in regards to, you know, some of the bad effects or like the bad uh, phone booth or, uh, you know, just the kind of like heaven, the way it pointed out, it's still really funny. I mean, death is just absolutely great, still hilarious, but I would definitely say one uh, is definitely better than the second one in fact raise my score so i would give two a solid four uh i wouldn't go a four and a half i give it a solid four just based on uh i still have just as much fun with uh part two as i do with part one but i have more fun with part one so that one gets the extra half star and uh for the things that i pointed out that i had issues with kind of drops it and moves it from being my favorite to my second favorite so that is it for the review of uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Bogus Journey. So let's hear what the STL Nation had to say. Alright guys, I was definitely worried. I was feeling that I wasn't going to get any emails for this, but the emails have been coming in. It's been great. We actually have some new ones, so this is some good time. So our first one comes from John the Music Man. He he sent this in early because he was going on vacation with his family. So here's what he said. Uh, he writes in for both movies. So here's his first one. Uh, Hello, STL and Mike. Bill and Ted is one of my all-time favorite movies from a teenager. At that time, I connected with them and wanted to be in a band. I can't play any instruments 
and still can't. But this movie is so much deeper than people see. It shows there is good in the world and you can make a difference. I would agree with that, sir. Uh, not off my soapbox. Um, this movie is... I'm not off my soapbox. This movie is over-the-top fun with time travel and Billy the Kid and so crates at the mall uh, trying to pick up women is so awesome. Too many good parts to say them all, but my favorite part is the air guitar. John the Music Man. So uh, here's what he said about part two. Hello, STL and Mike. Out of the two Bill and Ted movies, the second is my favorite. Wow. We flip-flopped, sir. The second was my favorite. Now it's part one. So that's cool. Uh, As the first, it is more than just a fun movie. It has meaning behind it uh, to never give up. Uh, The Reaper in the movie was awesome. And when they meld him classic and was just classic and Station is awesome how they made those good robots. On the music, uh, the soundtrack, as I did enjoy the soundtrack on the first film, this soundtrack is dated, but it's so good for the late 80s, 90s rock. And if you want to hear a recap of the movie, just listen to the Reaper's rap. Just a great tune. Get to hear the movie in a few minutes. John the Music Man. I will have to check that out, sir. I'm, I'm really looking uh, forward to that. So good times, man. That's kind of funny. You know, I went in this knowing part two is my favorite. And now I switched it to one. And, you know, I don't want to give the impression that I don't don't like to or that uh, I like it you know less than I did before it's just now you know seeing all those other things just made me appreciate and love one more so if that makes sense so thank you sir for writing in so uh, guess what guys we have a new member of the STL nation and what happens when we have a new member of the STL nation That's right. Uh, We have a new member of the STL Nation. Peter has written in not once, not twice, but three times. This is so cool. Two of them are on email and the third one is on iTunes. So uh, here is what Peter had to say. And as you guys know, he just recently joined the STL Nation uh, along with Andrew. So good times. Here's what he had to say. Greetings, sir. I am writing you from the year September 25th, 2011. This is not a typo. Uh, I discovered your podcast a couple weeks ago and I just finished your Armageddon episode. So he's a little while back. I started from the beginning and only skipped the movies I haven't seen. Uh, Of your first 25 movies, I've seen 20 of them. I'm a huge Back to the Future fan. So obviously that's how he found the show because he was looking for Back to the Future. And... um, I'm a big Back to the Future fan, but my favorite episodes thus far were Adventures in Babysitting. Can you believe that, guys? Adventures in Babysitting is one of his favorite episodes, and that piece of trash episode, wow. So I guess they should feel good that not everybody hates it, so good times. The Wraith, good times, and The Heavenly Kid, good times. You know, The Wraith, Heavenly Kid, and Howard the Duck are definitely some of my all-time favorite episodes that I've done. Because, you know, those are some of my all-time favorite movies. But it was just kind of get. I was just getting into my groove and getting the flow going. You know, the only bad thing about those episodes is I had a real crappy mic. But other than that, those are still really fun episodes. 
And um, he says, we seem to have a very similar taste in movies, and I look forward to your future reviews. I intend to spread the word about your show, and if calculations are correct, you will have a new iTunes review from me by the time you finish this email. Keep up the good work, your listener in time, Peter from Portland. Well, thank you, Peter, for writing in, sir. Thank you so much. I'm glad you joined the group. I'm glad you wrote in. Now, any new STL member gets a nickname. However... I don't give it right away. I usually give it like two or three emails. I got to kind of see your personality, things you like and stuff. But for right now, we'll just use Peter from Portland. It works. Good time. So that was his first one. Um, I'll go ahead and read his. Uh, he has the last email. So I'm going to go to the next email and then I'll do the iTunes review and then I'll do his final one. So the uh, next email comes from Top Gun Jason. Can you believe it? This guy, he hasn't wrote it in in quite a while, so it's good to hear from you, sir. Here is what Top Gun Jason had to say. How's it going, royal ugly dude? I was excited to hear about Bill and Ted podcast. I was not excited to hear about Bogus Journey, Journey mainly because I don't like it. Wow. Can you believe that? Excellent Adventure was just a fun movie, full of one-liners and off-the-wall shenanigans. The soundtrack was great, and I'm disappointed you can't find it on iTunes. It really uh, has that fun 80s feel. Bogus Journey, on the other hand, had none of that. It felt thrown together and unguided. Most of the actors, aside from Def, didn't want to be there. Anyways, that's my two cents. Hey, Masunas, what number am I thinking of? Best, Jason Adams. Uh, Top Gun Jason. 69, dude. I know that's probably what you're going to say. Um, it's kind of interesting, sir. You know, I, I didn't comment on Bill and Ted in, in Bogus Journey Review, but, you know, I felt that, you know, they had just as much fun uh, in the first one. Um, then, you know, I didn't see that they didn't feel like being there, you know, because uh, mostly we just deal with death, Bill and Ted, and, um, that's pretty much who we really deal with. Most of the time, everybody else just kind of has a sideline and stuff. I can kind of see where you, you know, you're kind of going, sir. But as you know, um, I dug part two, but um, I definitely don't dig it as much as part one now. So, but thank you, sir, so much for writing. It's been a long time since I heard from you. And that was an awesome video you posted, sir. He did this video. Well, he didn't do it, but he posted this video of Ice Ice Baby sung by the movies. Oh, man, it was so good. I had to post that for everybody to see in the STL Nation group. It's so good. So go look it up on YouTube. Ice Ice Baby Sung by the Movies. You will laugh big time. All right. So now I'm going to go over to iTunes. Uh, Peter went ahead and uh, wrote an iTunes review. So thank you, sir, so much. Because number one, iTunes reviews are very hard to come by. But uh, when you give me a five-star rating, sir, and then you, you write all these awesome things, I mean, that's just so cool. So here's what he had to say. Uh, it says, it's good times. Uh, I found this show while searching for Back to the Future, and I, scrolled through, and I scrolled through the previous episodes to find that I've seen a pretty high percentage of the movies. I couldn't believe that it started with Adventures in Babysitting. That's freaking hilarious. I grew up watching that movie, and it was very refreshing to hear throwback movies rather than new releases. I do, however, wish the show would return to its roots and review scene by scene. I like the long episodes better. Uh, five stars for the content and the movies alone, Peter from Portland. Well, sir, thank you so much. Um, as you know, um, I, I can't say that uh, I do, you know, I, I think in the beginning I was doing like literally scene for scene for scene for scene. 
But now I, I pretty much, you know, go through the plot in detail and just go through my favorite stuff and I go in order as the movie goes. So, you know, I think for the most part, I try to balance it out. I try not to do scene for scene for scene, but I also try to have that detail in there for the people that really like that. So it's kind of uh, it's kind of a hard balance to have. Sometimes you can't please everybody, but that's the way I like to do it. You know, just give a, a full, you know, detailed plot and then just go, you know, you know, from beginning to end, my favorite stuff. And it seems to be working. Everybody seems to be digging it so far. So hopefully, sir, when you finally catch up and you get to this point, hopefully you dig uh, the direction that the show currently is. So thank you so much for that iTunes review, sir. We're currently at 26, guys. That is great. So if you have not reviewed the show on iTunes, please do so. And remember, those five-star reviews really do help out the show, help get the word out to everybody. Good times. And let's get to... The final email. And this one, and funny enough, I just got this this morning right before I started. Hey, Masunis, I am writing to you from January 18th, 2012. So obviously, guys, you kind of get the joke here. That's currently where he's at in the podcast. So that means he's currently at the Beverly Hills Cop 2 review. So here's what's funny when you get a new listener and they're going back to your old stuff and they start commenting on stuff that isn't currently going on. It always cracks me up and you'll see what I mean by that when we get through when we get through this email. So here's what he had to say. So this means I just found out that you have a new co-host. Greetings and solution sir. Okay so obviously Andrew is not the co-host. He hasn't been the co-host for a very, very long time. And, you know, I'll be honest with you guys. This is kind of how this whole situation was. At the time, I felt like the show needed a co-host. I I guess I didn't have enough confidence in myself to think that the show would suffer if I didn't have a co-host. So so I kind of instantly jumped on that bandwagon of like, okay, he's a co-host. I'm going to add him to the site, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, uh, things didn't work out, you know, and then I was, you know, stuck being by myself. So then I had to refocus. And, you know, when you finally realize that, hey, you started off the show solo, people obviously like you because they still listen. And when, you know, we started getting the STL Nation born and we had the Facebook page going and we started having all this interaction, I mean, the show took on a life of itself and you guys really said, this is what we dig, this is what we don't dig, this is the kind of movies that we want to hear, you know, so it's been a long journey, it's been a fun journey and as you know, the person that's been on the show the most, more than anybody, has been Jameson and Jameson is more like... I consider him like a silent co-host, you know, granted he's America's co-host, but he's the person that, you know, I want him on as much as possible, but it's not like it has to be where I can't do the show without him versus back then I was like, I can't do an episode without Andrew. It has, he has to be on every single episode. And clearly from what I've heard from everybody is Jameson and I are way better together than any of the other prior co-hosts I had, you know. And it's cool. He's a, he's a fan of the show and and he loves being on. I love having him on. I mean, we have changing channels together. So, we've done a lot of episodes together, but at the same time, it's like I have just as much fun uh recording solo as I do with him on, you know. But granted, it's a lot easier when you have somebody else so you can bounce ideas off or 
I mean, it's so much fun when he's on because I make all these mistakes and he likes to call me out on him and just joke with me. It's good. It's fun. So he's definitely, uh, if I was to have an official co-host to where I could not do any episode without them, it would definitely be Jameson, no hands, you know, there's no question about it, but it's kind of like, dude, the door is always open. You can come on any episode you want. And, and that's why we did this whole chick flicks for guys thing. It was something we both agree. We both wanted to do every single episode, but as you can see, there's no time limit of when it needs to get done. So that's why it's just, it's fluctuating, you know? So, uh, I'll be excited, sir, to when you finally catch up and, and you hear all the episodes that me and Jameson have done and kind of get your thoughts and hear if you approve with the rest of the nation that, you know, uh, when I have somebody else on, Jameson is always good times. And of course, Jason is always good times. You know, EZA has got to be the funniest episode I've ever recorded on this show. And that all helps because Jason is hysterical, man. And, and he's, he's good. He's great times. And I just love listening to the guy. That's why I was like, I don't really feel like talking. I just want to hear him talk, you know? So I love having Jason and Jameson on. It's always a blast. It's always awesome. But of course, Jason and I, we're in different time zones and me and Jameson are in the same one. So it's so easy for us to get together to do shows. So I'm excited, sir, to hear where, you know, when you finally catch up, you know, how you'll dig Jameson. Good stuff. Uh, here's what he had to continue to say. Um, I remember you from the Smallville episode. Yep, that's when he was on. Uh, since my first email, I followed the STL Nation. I must say, it's good times. I'm enjoying talking with others about our love for movies. Now, the reason I email, which, by the way, sir, thanks so much for joining. You know, it's been so much fun uh, having you and Andrew added to the group. It's been good times. Um, now, the reason I email, Bill and Ted, Air Guitar, I love both movies. I love anything about time travel, so it's an automatic thumbs up. I won't bore you at this time with my thoughts. I only emailed because I messaged you about doing Bill and Ted to find out it was already planned for this weekend. Talk about good timing. Well, I can't wait for its release. Uh, your listener in time, Peter. So again, sir, thank you so much for writing in. And I will get you a nickname, sir. Uh, we'll figure out something something cool. So that is it for emails, guys. If you want to write in, please do so at at yahoo.com or stlpodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. So let's get to the music spotlight. Here comes the ready and now. All right, so for the music spotlight, I got two songs for you. That's right, two movie reviews, two songs. To be honest with you, I just have such new music, and I couldn't determine which song I wanted to pick over the other one, so I figured, why not? I'll just throw both of them in. And then the other new songs I have, I put those in the Underground Hour episode, so make sure... You check that out for the other new tunes. So here's what we got for the first one. Uh, the second one is obviously the better one, which is why I'm saving it for last. But this one, this song's really cool. Uh, I was watching uh, TV on vacation. Uh, we were flipping through all like the MTV music channels and stuff, and this song came on. Uh, and I was like, man, this song is really, really crazy. I don't know. I don't know. This is kind of cool. I was really digging it. 
And uh, the person that sings this song, it's called Blowing Smoke. It's from this girl called uh, named Casey Musgraves. And it was a really cool video. She's in this diner. She's a waitress. And she's just basically blowing smoke or, you know, BSing about how she's going to get out of this life. And, you know, instead she's just going broke. And it was a really cool video. And the music itself, you know, it's got like this kind of, uh, blues kind of vibe to it, if you will. And I'm not sure if it's country because, you know, I'm not a country guy. I hate country, but it kind of has like a country feel with like uh, blues in there. It kind of like if you know the song Tom's Diner, you know, um, one of those kind of songs. That's kind of how she sounds like. It's really, really cool. I dig it. It's a fun song. And then the last song is my is the song I was telling you about in the music news, which is my favorite song from the Demi Lovato CD. And the name of that song is Really Don't Care. And I'll tell you what, man, this song I guarantee is going to be a massive radio hit. This song is great. It is. I, I fell in love with it the moment I heard it. It's definitely the best song on the album. It's fantastic. So that's why I'm saving it for last. So please check out both of these tunes. Uh, the first one, you're probably like, eh, it was okay. This one, I think everybody's going to love this one. And, and mark my words, this song will be a massive radio hit when it hits because it's just that good. So those are the two tunes I have for you. Don't forget to uh, check out the Facebook page, as I mentioned before. Don't forget to join the group, STL Nation. If you want to go on Twitter, it's STL Podcast. As far as the next movie goes, it should be Mannequin. I'm not 100% sure. I will keep you guys posted on that, so get your emails in. I'll have to double-check with uh, Lisa the Legend on that. As you know, uh, STL members, uh, Monday Night Jason, Tawana, and Lisa all have three movies that they get to do on STL. So I need to check with Lisa on Mannequin because, you know, that's her movie. And we will let you know and keep you posted. But hopefully that will be sometime next week. Pick up that series again and that will be fun. And then after that series is over, we shall start the voting process again. It will be super fun. I'm very excited for it. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I had a lot of fun. And don't forget to check out the new Underground Hour episode That has some really great tunes. New segment I think you'll dig. It's a good time. So I will catch you guys on the next episode. So you guys have a good week. You guys take care. Masunas out. trash making bets lips wrapped around our cigarettes she always thought she was too good to be a waitress we all say
Take your word. 